It's Friday, and the Blue Bloods are here with another loaded episode full of College of All content for all our listeners out there. We start the episode with our new segment that we started last episode called Hot Seat Watch, where we analyze which coaches in each conference are on the hot seat. And today we analyze the Big Ten. We then debate who is the most undeserving Heisman winner of all time and then discuss the possibility of some conferences playing a full season of home and home series. We wrap up this episode with another recruiting update, which focuses on Minnesota and their 2021 recruiting class. It's about that time. So let's kick it off. So as we kind of talked about last episode, going into every season, there are some coaches across the country that honestly know if they don't hit a certain milestone, don't get enough wins, don't make a bowl game, they're out the door. Uh, it, it could be the fans push them out, administration, they get a new job offer. This, this inspired this series called Hot Seat Watch. And today, last episode, we did the ACC. Go check out the last episode if you're listening and get to hear it. But we're going to go to the Big Ten today. So, Brandon, which Big Ten head coach or head coaches do you feel are on the hot seat right now? Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and start out with my first, and I think it's the most obvious one, um, at least for me. I've gone I've gone in on them several times at this point. Uh, so I think that Scott Frost has to be on the hot seat right now, right? I mean, what? He's been there for two seasons now. His overall record with, with Nebraska is 9-15. and 15. I mean, and that's just because this past season was a little bit better than the season before. He's gone four and eight and five and seven with Nebraska. And I understand that before he got there, Nebraska went four and eight. But I mean, he hasn't really done much improvement. You know, in 2016, uh, the year before Nebraska kind of fell off, they went nine and four. Uh, 2015 was kind of rough. They lost, They went six and six and lost in a bowl game. Um, I mean, 2014 and 2013 were also nine win seasons. You know, you, you bring in a coach like Scott Frost because of what he did at, at UCF, I guess, after the one season that they saw, you know, because he went 12 and 0 in 2017, national champs. Everyone knows it. Um, but in 2016, he went six and seven with UCF. I mean, I don't think that he's necessarily a great coach and he's not this prodigy that everyone maybe thought he was going to be. Uh, and I'm obviously going to be critical. I hate Nebraska. You know, I call, I've been calling them frauds since the first episode of this podcast. And so uh, I think that he is like the most obvious uh, coach on the hot seat at this point in the, in the offseason anyway. I like the pick. I, I didn't pick him because I knew you had some strong opinions. But have you looked at their schedule this year yet? Because they have some serious competition, man. They have – Cincinnati in week four, which is most likely a loss because Cincinnati is going to be loaded. And then, Brandon, this is the back end of their season. This is the last five games of their season back to back to back with no bye weeks. They have at Ohio State, they have Penn State at Iowa, at Wisconsin, and then Minnesota to end the season. Yeah, it's going to be another bad season. It's going to be another four and eight, maybe, maybe five and seven season for Nebraska. 
Yeah, and I mean that's not even including Purdue returning um their players that were hurt last year. That it's not traveling to Northwestern, which was on the rise until it's tough last season. And then you have Rutgers with a new head coach and Greg Schiano. I think he needs more time, but you never can overlook somebody. So I think Scott Frost, it could be a could be in trouble if things go south. I mean, if they can't afford to lose any game that they're supposed to win next year, and if they do, they're going to be in major, major trouble. But, Brad, I don't know about you. I I really think there's a lot of interesting scenarios that could play out for this conference. I really think looking through this conference, you know, getting ready for this segment, I saw about five to six coaches that I could see programs moving on from if things go south next season. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, it's, there's nothing. I mean, I think the only like certainties, obviously, you think that Jim Harbaugh could potentially be the uh, could be on the hot seat. I, I, I'm just waiting for that one. I don't mean to burst your bubble here or anything. Um, but I mean, I think the, I think there's only like a handful of untouchable coaches at this point. And I think that's PJ Fleck. I think that's uh, Ryan Day. I think Jim Harbaugh, James Franklin um, and maybe Paul Christ, but everyone else. I mean, their seasons go south, and and I mean, I don't know. I don't. I can't. I just can't see them realistically having a job, no matter how they do next season. Yeah. So I mean, I'm going to stick with my number one and two on my list. I've ranked these. I had a lot of debate about it. My number one coach. Listen, guys. <laughs> oh, cracking myself up here. I told you guys I hate picking second year head coaches, but as we do this segment, I find out there's a lot of second year head coaches I don't believe in. And I'm going to go with the second-year head coach here, and that's Mike Loxley for Maryland. Zach, 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 Zach. Uh, he's, he was the second coach on my list, and I've got something. I know you say he's a second-year head coach. This is his second time being the head coach at Maryland, Zach. That's, his that's second tough. time. That's real tough. He went one in five before he got fired the last time in 2015. <laughs> and so, yeah. He, Why yeah, would he he's get rehired then? Why would they go back and re- – I'm so confused on that. I don't know. And he went I, I what no three idea. and nine last year? He went three and nine this past season. And and I I only figured this out because I don't keep up with Maryland football. I only figured this out because I looked at his coaching record overall with Maryland and it was four and fourteen. I was like, wait, that no that doesn't add up. What's going on? And then I looked back through his coaching history and he was their offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach in like twenty fourteen and a few years before that, and then he was their head coach at the beginning of 2015 until six games in when he went one and five and got fired. That's that's horrible, guys. That is that that ruined my day right there. But Maryland I, Maryland just called the just called the old ex girlfriend. You know they knew that he he wasn't great, but he's there. So that's that's who they went with, I guess. Yeah, uh, never a good idea to call exes, guys. You know this is not a relationship podcast, but. Never a good idea. It could be. It could be. I, I, I guess. I guess it could be sometimes. But, you know, for me, I think he's already on the hot seat again. I mean, Brandon, three and nine. And the only wins for Loxley last year were Howard, not a D1 school, uh, Syracuse, and Rutgers. All the wins. when people at the beginning of the season were like, Maryland scoring 70 points, they might be good? Well, uh, Maryland, uh, Maryland's offense was on um, – one of our early segments when we started the podcast, they were they were the winner of I think like week two or three. You're right. That's what I I'm mean, saying. It's how the how the turntables is what 
some would say. Because I think they outscored their opponents like 130-something to like three. Right. And it looked really good to start. Uh, that's real tough. But, I mean, I want to like look at this. I mean, so, Brandon, I would say their biggest Big Ten competition last season was Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, and Minnesota. I, you can agree with that, right? Yeah. They were outscored those four games, 222-31. to 31. Oh, my gosh. That's, that, 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 that's not acceptable. That is getting so, smacked. It, they lost... 73 to 14 against Ohio State and 59 to nothing against Penn State. That's nuts, man. That's what I mean. I can't fathom. I under, I don't want to keep going back to this, but I can't fathom what made them think, yeah, let's go back to, to Mike Loxley. You know, because I guess it is Maryland, but I don't think people are just turning down college football, especially Power Five college football head coaching jobs left and right. No, I mean, you've got to think of some of the coaches that have moved this year. I mean, Mike Norval out of yeah. out of Memphis would have been a shot. Could have been given a shot. Luke Fickle out of Cincinnati. I mean, there's multiple, I guess, group of five schools. I mean, Appalachian State's head coach just got hired. Uh, there's so many. At Boise State, I mean, there's all these schools that you could have went after. And you go for Mike right. Loxley because he had one – I guess he had an okay year as offensive coordinator for Bama, but can we really give him any credit? Yeah, I mean, no, I don't think so. Well, he had two years uh, as their offensive coordinator. He had the championship year in 2017, too. Um, I mean, but but the only reason he was at Alabama is because Alabama likes scooping up these these guys that are, you know, they're down and out because they're Alabama and they can turn them around. You know, he got hired on as an offensive assistant in 2016. And ended up being their offensive coordinator the year after. It's I, I don't I can't fathom it, um, but I guess something about that, something about him coaching an offense that that won twenty five games in two years appealed to Maryland again. I don't know. Yeah, all it's, they needed to see was the film from the Clemson two thousand eighteen national championship game. Clemson did the same thing. I'm not even like a huge film guy. But every single time Loxley brought a wide receiver in motion, Clemson would switch off, and whatever uh, DB was on that wide receiver would blitz off the end. I don't think Bama picked up the blitz once and got to yeah, a killed repeatedly. It was the same play. Me and my friend were texting about it, and I was like, if they don't if they don't pick up that blitz, I'm going to pull my hair out. And I'm not even an Alabama fan. I was rooting for Clemson, but it was so frustrating to watch because it was the same thing over and over again. Right, yeah, it's... I don't know, man. And it's not, I don't think he's an awful coach. I think he's a much better like coordinator than like an actual head coach. And that's obvious by his record, Zach. Did you happen to see his overall coaching record? Uh, uh, don't have it written down everywhere, Bob. I'm sure if it's not had, great. If you, if you had to guess his overall coaching record, his record at Maryland uh, through his two seasons or like one and a half seasons there is four and 14. What do you think his overall coaching record is? I would imagine they probably doesn't have double digit wins, dude. Six and forty. Yeah, that's that tough. Is so bad. That's so bad. And I mean, look at have, have you looked at their schedule? I mean, I'm gonna break down these games like that are surefire losses to me. Okay, these games okay. I'm already marking up as an L at West Virginia. They're probably losing that game in Paul Brown's second year. Uh, they also have Minnesota, Wisconsin, 
at Michigan, Ohio State at Penn State, and then Michigan State to end the season. Yeah, that's I that's mean, seven losses. I think I think that uh, uh, I was looking at some source that was predicting uh, records for next year. I think their record prediction for next year is also three and nine. So yeah, because they're looking great. Because their winnable games are on the road. They they have Northwestern and Indiana on the road. Yeah, it's that's I mean, it's tough. It's it's a it's a tough break for Maryland. It's a really tough break for Michael Oxley. He'll end up back at Alabama because apparently he just gets rehired when he gets fired. He didn't even get fired from Bama. He's just gonna end up back there. He's gonna be like a, he's gonna be an intern. He's gonna be uh oh man, what's his name? Who was who's Tennessee's oh. coach that's an intern? <laughs> He's gonna be Butch no, no, Jones. He's gonna, yeah, he's not even he's not even gonna be Nick Saban's intern. He's gonna be Butch Jones's intern. He's gonna be the intern's intern. That's real tough. That's real yeah. tough. But uh, Brandon, you already know what my second pick is, don't you? Yeah, I think. To tell tell the listeners who's getting fired this year. And that's did I already have I already yeah. have I already brought him up? Yeah, Jim Harbaugh. It's not Jim Harbaugh. Happen. No, listen. It's not going to happen. He's going to be gone after this season. I don't care if it's a firing. I don't care if it's quote unquote gracefully leaving for the NFL or gracefully leaving gracefully to retire. Leaving. It doesn't matter. He's going to be forced out of Michigan. Brandon, he can't win the big game. I don't care. Uh, just repeated eight and four to nine and three seasons isn't going to cut it. Are are you going to let him keep his job if he loses his sixth straight game to Ohio State? Yeah, I think so because oh and six lost. oh and Dude, six he has he has three ten win seasons there. He has a nine win season and an eight win season. I think that's pretty good. That's pretty consistent. I don't care if you don't beat your rival every single year. I don't care if you haven't beaten them once. That's fine. If you're getting me ten wins a season, I'll take it. So if Coach O, uh, okay, who would you who would you consider LSU's biggest rival? Alabama, probably. Alabama. Uh, if Coach O went, let's just say six years, he gets you nine to ten wins every year, but he loses to Alabama every single year, and it's not even close. Zach, I'm gonna be honest with you. I've I've been through that six year drought. I've been through it. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, yeah, and, and who, and, be- yeah, yeah. And who lost who lost their job because of it? Less Miles, but I, I don't think anyone was just sitting there screaming, "Hey, let's fire Less Miles." I, I think beg to was, differ. I was at the game. I was at the game where he was fired. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Auburn game. Yeah, but but no, I mean, I think that it was kind of a shock to everyone. I mean, I understand that season didn't start out great. We're not talking about LSU right now. Let's talk about about okay. Michigan. Okay, okay. Listen, I, I went back to 2015. Here are the games that has cost him that are, that have cost him his job, in my opinion. 2015. Yeah, it's a decent season. They lose to Utah to open the season. Michigan State and Ohio State. He, okay. uh, you can't win any of your big games. 2016, undefeated all the way, and then lose two straight games to Iowa and Ohio State, and then you get beat by Florida State in the bowl game. Then you go to 2017, which is the worst year. You lose to Michigan State, Penn State, Wisconsin, Ohio State, and then you get blown out by South Carolina. Okay. I mean, look at Michigan before Jim Harbaugh got there, though. How are they doing, Zach? How are they doing for the – I mean, I mean, just looking at the two years before he got there, they went 7-6 and and 5-7. and seven. I mean, they were. I mean, they. How far back do you want to go? Because how 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 far back do you want to go? Because Michigan used to be winning national championships. Yeah, but were they winning national championships? The last guy they had. 
Well, no, that that's doesn't that doesn't uh, qualify. I mean, that's like uh, no one was winning national championships before Nick Saban, Alabama, since the nineties. Uh, I, I was about to say they've won quite a few. Well, yeah, it, back when you know there was like seven teams in the league, they won like six before nineteen twenty. Okay. Uh, I'm just saying, listen, and then like then last year you lose to Wisconsin, Penn State, Ohio State, and then you lose to Alabama with a backup quarterback. Right. And and, uh, and some players sitting out. And then you get to 18, Notre Dame. That was a horrible loss for the first week of the season, Notre Dame. Then you lose to Ohio State, and then you get blown out by Florida. Okay. I, I, all I'm saying is all I'm saying is that if you look at uh if you look at Michigan's previous coaches that have been fired, there are two previous coaches that were fired. We're looking at Rich Rodriguez. We're looking at Brady Hoke. Why did they get fired? Because Rich, and, Rich Rodriguez had a three and nine season, a five and seven season, and then a seven and six season, and then he's and then he lost in the Gator Bowl, the one winning season he had. We're looking at Brady Hoke, who yeah came in strong, eleven and two, then went eight and five, seven and six, five and seven. I mean, he's getting progressively worse. I mean, but before that, it was Lloyd Carr. You, I mean, you, we can talk about Lloyd Carr all we want. He was good. He was a great coach. Uh, don't get me wrong. There's a reason he wasn't fired. There's a reason this, he just th- retired. Th- this is an unhealthy relationship for Michigan. You're paying him the second or the third most in the country to coach a team to go mediocre to the Citrus Bowl every year. I've said this so many times, Zach. I, I Look, I'm not saying that I don't think he's overpaid. I do think he's overpaid. I absolutely think that. But I don't think that he deserves to be fired. I, I don't. I, I disagree. Like you could get a coach that could do this for way cheaper with way less. I mean, he's just always in the media talking BS, g- writing stupid letters in crayon to the NCAA about stuff that should or should not happen. Whatever you want to say, he's not worth just all the problems. He doesn't win enough. He's an overrated Look, coach. Is he, is he a smart man? That's neither here nor there. We're not here to talk about <laughs> about school. We're here to talk about football, Zach. I get the crayon better. Let let me lay out the schedule for you, okay? Let's see how you feel about this, okay? Part of my argument here is because of their schedule, all right? Okay. I'm going to lay out some games. I want you to tell me if you – I want you to give me a percentage on how confident you are that Michigan can win this game, okay? Okay. At Washington, week one. Uh, About 85%. Washington is going to beat Michigan. At – like – they got to travel all the way across the country yeah, to play Washington, I mean, who's returning game, just about everybody but their quarterback. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I disagree. Washington's beating them. Do you think they're going to beat Wisconsin next year? No. Okay, that's one loss. Do you think they're going to beat Penn State next year? No. Do you think they're going to travel to Michigan State and beat Michigan State at Michigan State? Yes, I don't think Michigan State's very good. Okay, at Minnesota. Oh, that's that's a tough one. Um, they have to travel to Minnesota. What 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 part of the year is it? How cold is it? Um, it's I believe it's in November. Oh no, they lose that. They lose yeah. that ten times. And then day. they tra- then they travel to Ohio State. It's a good little eight and four season we got right there. That's eight and four, and and could you see Washington or Minnesota pulling the upset in your eyes? Uh, I already said Minnesota, Michigan State. I don't think there's a chance. Or Michigan in the State, yeah. Michigan State pulls that upset. Um, I don't think that Washington would be an upset, really. But I don't think. I, I, I guess I could see it. I just don't think it happens. 
Okay, so if it happens and he goes seven and five and loses his bowl game for a seven to six record, he doesn't leave. Zach, I already look. I know. Okay, you're you're trying to reform your ways. I know that you've been on the hey Jim Harbaugh's going to get fired train, and I've said no, he's not getting fired. He's going to get pushed out. So now you've you've conformed to my thinking. You've conformed to what I'm saying. I would like you to admit that first and foremost. Whether you get forced out or fired, it's the same thing. Being pushed out is just firing. It's like it's like it's literally just like someone like. I can't, I wish we could cuss on this podcast. You know, it's like it's someone screwing you over and then like spraying you in the face with Febreze and being like, "Hey, at least you smell good now." Like it, it, it doesn't be, it doesn't make it any mean- <laughs> it doesn't make any situation better. You still got fired and let go. If you're it might be worse because guess what? When when your employer makes you quit, you don't get that severance package. So that's that's tough. That's a tough break for everyone involved. Okay, Jim Brandon, Harbaugh, you just, you, you just got a new job, right? Sure. Oh, I don't want to okay. talk about that. This, okay. We're bringing, we're bringing personal business into <laughs> I don't like okay. it. Okay. Let's just say, let's just say, okay, let's just say your little brother gets a job. In <laughs> one situation, he gets told you're fired, or there's another situation where he they could take him and say, "Hey, I have this other job that you may want to do better. It's called mopping the bathroom, like, but it's in this other store all the way across the state. That's still firing. It's just no, it's nice. No, it's a, that's not even comparable, though. I don't that's, know. And whatever. I, I, I still think Jim like, Harbaugh is no, no, going. No, no, no. It would be. It would be like if you worked at McDonald's, right? Because I think that if he gets pushed out here, he's probably going to go to the NFL. He's going to Burger happened. King. No, no, no. If you're working at McDonald's and you get pushed out of that, like you're say you're a fry cook at McDonald's, you get pushed out, and you know what happens? They're pushing him right, right into that Wendy's front office. Now he's a franchise owner. It's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, and that's, last that's, time he and last time he ran a franchise, he got fired. Yeah, but he went he went to the he went to the franchise bowl, so that's pretty good. Okay, fair enough. Listen, guys, but the, this segment has lasted much longer than we expected. <laughs> but Jim Har- Jim Harbaugh should not survive in a below nine and three season, and should not survive without being in Ohio State. Any Michigan coach that goes zero and six should be let go. He hasn't shown any process in recruiting, player development, winning, or just about anything. Jim Harbaugh on the hot seat should be gone. Hashtag fire the Harbaugh. Yeah, man. I don't know. Jim Harbaugh is just like a trigger word for us. Like we need to we need to calm down. Yeah, we might never get to talk about him ever again. Yeah, we we lasted twenty two minutes on this. (laughs) Jim Harbaugh, this is ridiculous. But guys, we're going to move on after 22 minutes and talk about another segment that's probably also going to take another 22 minutes. And, you know, there's a saying in college football, not all Heisman winners are equal. And it's one of the more true sayings, you know, in this in college football. And there have been players such as Joe Burrow, Cam Newton, Robert Griffin and Tim Tebow that really left no debate whether they were the best player in college football in a season. Others. I guess you could say left much to be desired and got the honor due to, I mean, what factors would you say? Name recognition, program prestige, or some other sort of bias. So we break down which players we think are the most undeserving Heisman winners since 1990. The reason I picked 1990 is because, yes, there might be some debate about the 1940s, 
football was a different time. It's hard to compare those players to current players. So 1990 is kind of where we set the bar. That way we can compare these players equally. Um, so Brandon, which Heisman winner do you think is the most undeserving in college football history? Zach, I'm going to die on this hill because I am and, – and I'm really just going to look like a Nebraska hater after this. If, if you guys didn't already think I was, but uh, sorry to any Nebraska fans out there, Eric Crouch did not deserve to win the Heisman Trophy. He just didn't. And and I get why he won. I, I 100% understand why he won. I don't agree with it. Um, but if, if, for anyone who doesn't know Eric Crouch, he was a quarterback for Nebraska in 2001. But before that, I mean, the, the Heisman year was 2001. Uh, he had 18 rushing touchdowns and 1,115 rushing yards. I mean, he even had a receiving touchdown. It was a it was a 63 yard reception. I mean, he's an insane athlete. There's no question about that. But I mean, let's not beat around the bush. He really shouldn't have been a Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, let's not forget he was a quarterback. You know, he passed for 1,510 yards uh, and seven touchdowns, which seven touchdowns isn't great. 1,510 yards, that's that's respectable. I'll take that. I'll take 1,510 yards, especially in 2001. You know, that was before college football was more of uh, more passing-oriented. Uh, it was still mainly focused on the run. Um, anyway, so, I mean, I'm not going to bash the 1,510 yards. What I will bash is the seven, ba- is the seven passing touchdowns. Um, Zach, you want to know why I'm going to bash the seven passing touchdowns? It's because I, I want you. To, I want you to guess how many interceptions he had that season. Oh yeah, I think he had more interceptions, didn't he? Yeah, he cutlered himself. He had he had yeah. seven. He had seven touchdowns and ten interceptions that season, and won the Heisman Trophy. And it's just absurd. That's insane. Well, um, what? What you also had say? you also had Rex. I think it was Rex Grossman at Florida yeah, that dude, set the world on fire. Don't don't steal my thunder. Uh, my Rex bad. Grossman, my bad. Runner, yeah, the runner up that year had. 3,800 passing or just over 3,800 passing yards, um, 34 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. Yeah. And I get it. Yeah. That's really good. But I, I, I understand. I hear the critics. I hear the Nebraska fans. Now that's more interceptions than Tim Crouch had. You just had bashed him for having 10. I didn't bash him for having 10. I bashed him for having more the interceptions and touchdowns, but you know what? I'll listen to your argument real quick and uh, I'll go ahead and deal you this card. David Carr that year. Fresno State's quarterback, David Carr, we all know him, awful NFL quarterback, whatever. Um, he played for the Texans. We can't really blame him. Um, David Carr placed fifth in the Heisman race this season. Zach, he passed for 4,839 yards this season, 46 touchdowns, and guess how many interceptions? Nine. He had fewer interceptions than than Eric Crouch did with 46 touchdowns and nearly 5,000 yards passing. I mean, he – you want to talk about Rex Grossman lighting college football on fire? David Carr really lit college football on fire. So I just don't understand how 2,600 combined yards can and more interceptions than touchdowns can win you the Heisman Trophy. But let's focus on those, let's focus on those yards for a second. 2,600 combined yards, 1,115 um, yards rushing. I mean, that's very impressive. And, and I understand the, no, the novelty of a quarterback who had more rushing attempts than passing attempts. I get it, you know, but why not give it to a running back if that's if that's the criteria? Well, I mean, there wasn't even a running back in consideration for the Heisman this year. But, I mean, if we're going to give it to somebody based off of what they did on the ground, I mean, 1,115 yards, that's impressive. 18 touchdowns, that's very impressive uh, rushing. But why does that deserve the Heisman? Because if that, if that deserves the Heisman, then why not give it to BYU's running back that season, Luke Staley? Because he had 1,600 rushing yards and 24 touchdowns. 
I mean, I'm just here to say there's more impressive players that weren't even in the Heisman race than, than Eric Crouch. So I just don't understand at all how he won it. And, and I, you know, this was one of the Heisman races that was a little bit closer than any of the others. Um, and there are some, you know, non-tangibles to take into consideration. This was 2001. So like Zach said, Rex Grossman did light college football on fire. He was a sophomore at the time. And this was, I mean, th- well, six years before a sophomore ever won the Heisman Trophy. So, and that was Tim Tebow. I don't, I wouldn't compare Rex Grossman to Tim Tebow necessarily. Um, but I do think that Rex Grossman was more deserving in the Heisman than Eric Crouch was. I'll agree with you. I, I think I, I like that pick. I think there's two that are probably above it, but I agree that, I mean, well, the rumor is Eric Crouch got the Heisman because Tommy Frazier got beat out in 95. So that's the rumor is that they gave it to Nebraska in return for screwing that one up. And that's, that's a whole other debate, but I got one that's obvious and one that's really controversial here because I couldn't decide between these two. Brandon, which one should we start with? Controversial or obvious? Yeah, give me the obvious because I want to save the best for last. Okay, so this is my no- this is really my number two choice here. I would have to go with the other one first, but it's an obvious one. It needs a, some discussion because I think it might be the biggest robbery of all time, and that's Charles Woodson of Michigan when he stole the Hosman Trophy from Peyton, Peyton Manning, who rightfully deserved it. Yeah, Brandon, I'm going to give you some stats here, okay? And I want you yeah. to tell me if this is Hosman-worthy stats. Se- seven interceptions, <laughs> yeah. 11, 11 catches for 231 yards and two touchdowns, 15 yards rushing with one touchdown, 33 kicker kicker punt returns for 283 yards and one touchdown. Yeah, no. Those, those are Charles Woodson's stats for Michigan in 1997. It's tough. It, Brandon, do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want to hear? Defensive Heisman, Zach. We know. Do you want to? Do you want to know the just craziest stat to me ever? You're, you, you're telling me, oh, man, he must have done, must have led the league in something. He didn't lead the league in punt and kick return yards or touchdowns or interceptions. Okay. <laughs> he was tied. He was he, the number one leading interception person was a kid out of Wyoming with eight. Um, Charles Woodson was tied with six other people with seven for second place. Right. So wow. he, he wasn't even the best DB in the country. And he won the Heisman Trophy, right? Oh. I, I, and so, you want to on the flip side? Why does Peyton Manning deserve it? I don't know. Over sixty percent completion percentage, almost four thousand yards. He had over three. He, he had over thirty eight hundred yards in the nineties. Thirty six touchdowns and eleven interceptions. Peyton Manning was top five in the NCAA in passing yards, completions, and touchdowns. Yeah. Um, and, he, and and he didn't deserve the Hosman? No, I mean, he absolutely did. And like you said, this is the not really controversial one. I think that a majority of our listeners would even agree with this. Uh, you know, I made the joke that, that, you know, the world was ready for its first defensive Hosman. I mean, 1997, what a progressive year for in the history of our country, right? Um, maybe <laughs> the first defensive Hosman. Uh, no, um, yeah, I mean, this was, jeez, um, when people think about it, about Heisman robberies. I mean, this is obviously this is the one that sticks out, at least to me, it was. Yeah, I mean, pe- like 
Uh, I think Woodson gets the benefit of the doubt because in like folklore, he was just dominating, you know, college football. But I mean, look at these stats, man. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah. That that sounds like he barely played. <laughs> I mean, the kick returns, it, he, like you said, he's not the leader, but, but over 200 yards in kick and punt returns is pretty good. That's all right. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's well, right. we see, I mean, when you compare it to someone like Devin Hester or uh, what was his name from San Diego State, Penny, I mean, dominating. And then you got, you got Pettis from Washington recently. I mean, Woodson wasn't anywhere near them. They were putting up hundreds of yards of kick return yards and returning six, seven a year. Right. He gets Not one here. and we're going to give him the best player in college <laughs> football award. No, I mean, he did a pretty cool Heisman pose, though. That was kind of sick, right? It, it was all right. I'll, I'll, give him, I'll give it a four. That, that Honestly, that wins it for me. You know, if you do the Heisman, how am I supposed to not give it to you after that? It, it's just tough. I mean, Lamar Jackson did it and then gave up a fumble to let Kentucky beat Louisville in the year he won it. Yeah, that's true. Well, he but, still won it. You know, they yeah, he did. You he did. Nah, a lot of yeah, a lot of people don't think he deserves it. I didn't pick him. That's not my controversial one. We're ready for it. That's that's a different discussion. Whatever. Go ahead. I mean, I have Mark Ingram from Alabama. Oh man. Oh man. I thought about it. I really did. I really, really I'm thought ready. about putting him I'm, I'm ready for any smoke Bama fans are coming for me with. I mean, and this is not because he played at Alabama. I mean, because Derrick Henry deserved his Hosman. I think we both We'll sit there and say that Derrick Henry dominated college football in the year he won it. And arguably, if Tua would have beat Kyler Murray, I wouldn't have had a major uproar about it. Kyler Murray and Tua should have been very, very close. And, I mean, Ingram wasn't even the best running back on his team, guys. Trent Trent Richardson was way better than Mark Ingram. Trent Richardson didn't really play that year. I mean, he was on the team. He didn't play a lot. But Mark Ingram wasn't the best player on his team that year that did play. That, I don't and, think he was top five. You know, to quote to quote 2009 Brandon, who got very upset over these Heisman results, he's not even the best player on his own team. You know, that's look it up on Facebook. I guess you guys don't know my last name. I'm not about to dox myself right now. But if you do know me, go look it up. I said that in 2009. Or, yeah, 2009. I mean, and so listen. Uh, I think for a Hosman player, a Hosman uh, to be undeserving, the player didn't deserve it, and the people who finished behind him deserved it more. And there were two players who deserved it more than him in that year. One finished second, and one finished fourth, which was an outrageous finish for this guy. The sec- So, Brandon, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you stats. So don't look anything up. I'm going to list no, you the not. stats of the second place. That's true. That's true. Um, I'm going to list the stats of the second place player and the first place player. I want you to tell me who is who. So okay. first, we got 1,658 yards rushing on a 6.1 yards per carry average with 17 touchdowns with 32 catches for 334 and three touchdowns. Um, I, I can't remember his I don't know, Zach. It's 2009. I was like... I know. I know. I You're like good. 13. You're okay. good. All you have to tell no, me is which stat won the Hosman. And then... Oh, oh, oh. the uh, Yeah. And then the other player is 
1,871 yards rushing on a 5.5 yards per average carry, 28 touchdowns, 39 catches, and 395. Um, I'm not going to lie to you, Zach. I worked myself up a little bit on that on on the I don't know their name thing, and so uh, don't really remember the first stat line. I'm going to go with the second guy. I feel like the second guy's the answer. Um, the the eighteen hundred yard rusher finished second. Nah, that's Toby good. Gerhardt for Stanford. That's who it was. Oh, I knew that. God, I knew that. Mark Mark Ingram ran for less yards, less touchdowns, had less catches for less yards than Toby Gerhardt, and still won the Hosman. Brandon, I'm gonna throw something at you. If a running back is gonna win the Hosman, shouldn't that running back lead the league in something? Yeah, probably. Um. Ingram ranked fourth in rushing yards and eleventh in rushing touchdowns. Yeah, to- man. It's Toby Gerhart led the incident of play in both of those categories. You know what? Eric Crouch had more rushing touchdowns than Mark Ingram did. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Huh? <laughs> crazy world we live in. Oh man, that's real tough, isn't it? Yeah. That's real tough. That's and uh, really and truly looking back, Ingram won this. Hosman, just based on the perception of Bama and the fact that there was an uproar that Bama never had a Hosman Trophy winner, and they just give, gave it to this guy. He didn't deserve it. The Bama is perceived higher than Stanford, especially at the time. And this is a take I know I'm right on. I don't care if you're a Bama fan and you've got that Mark Ingram picture up here in your wall. Tear it down. He doesn't deserve that picture. Get that tattoo oh. removed. Yeah, yeah exactly. You Exactly. And if you think I'm biased, just remember this was the closest vote in Hosman Trophy history. So it shows you the dissension between the voters and Mark Ingram dominated the southern states. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's not like a presidential election, Zach. There's no there's no electoral college. So I don't know what you mean but, he dominated the southern states, but yeah. Voters who I, who worked in the southern states and covered the SEC majorly voted for Mark Ingram and ranked Toby Gerhardt much lower than he sh- they should have. So it was almost a bias, like, hey, we got to get an SEC, got to win this. Yeah. They, Zach, they, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I'm shocked that you haven't brought up another player's name um, for the, oh, for the 2009 season. Don't worry. I, I was okay. coming. It's coming. Um, in case you don't so know, the world. Yeah. In case you guys don't know, Colt McCoy finished third. Outrageous. Um and fourth was the player who should have won the Hosman. And that is yeah, Adamo Kinsu, defensive tackle out of yeah. Nebraska. He was the most dominant and best player in the country that year, and it wasn't close. The Hosman trophy is not for the best player on the best team. That's BS. That's not how the vote, that's not what the award is about. Dandama Kinsu is a better college football player than Mark Ingram ever could dream of being. And that's, that's, that's nothing but facts. I don't disagree with you that he should have beaten Mark Ingram out for it. I don't think he should have won. I think Toby Gerhardt should have won it that year. But, yeah, I think he uh, – Mark Ingram should have finished probably fourth if I were – I mean, if I were a voter, I wouldn't have even given – I wouldn't have given him a first, second, or third place vote. No, because, I mean, Colt McCoy had a decent year. Don't get me wrong. But I think Nadamakan Sue had the best defensive lineman year of all time. Yeah, we, we know how you feel about it, Zach. This is we're playing the hits right now. I get it. We already talked about Jim Harbaugh and his job security, and now we're talking about Indomitian Sue, and you know people are going to pretty much catch on to our shtick before long. 
I'm telling you, it's not a stick. We can fight about it. We can, we can, we can Twitter beef about it. Mark Ingram is the most overrated Heisman Trophy winner of all time. And even if we went back to the start of college football, no one was less deserving than Mark Ingram. Wow. That's, that's what a take. It's 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 true, and guess what? We post these little you know sneak peeks of the video. We're putting that in the video. Mark Ingram is overrated. It, Zach, I, I I want you to just take that one soundbite that says Mark Ingram's underrated, and I, that's what I want the preview to be. <laughs> just Mark Ingram's overrated. That's it. The, just a three second clip. And yeah, no, that's it. That's it. And just just get every single Alabama fan that we had listen. Just unsubscribe instantly. Oh, that'd be real tough one. And a lot of our listeners are Alabama fans. Yeah, oh, right. This is tough. You guys, let us know what you think. Who is your biggest bust? On, you know, I mean, I guess most overrated Hosman. Uh, but we're going to move on. Third segment of the day. Man, this episode is flying by. Um, you know, as we stated earlier in the show, well, uh, well, a little bit earlier in the show, about how college football approaching, you know, there's a little bit of COVID stuff going around. Um, you know, Brett McMurphy... I guess had the Twitter world buzzing, uh, works for the stadium. He reported yesterday that many schools are having within conference talks about possibly playing home and home series in the event that all schools are not allowed to compete next season. So this could mean that if the SEC did this, we could see two Iron Bowls, one at Auburn and one at Alabama, Big Ten, one game at Michigan, one game at Ohio State. That would just set college football on fire. And, you know, if this becomes a reality, this could be one of the most unique seasons in college football history. So, Brandon, what is your take on the possibility of this? And would you like to see this in college football this year? Uh, yeah, I'd love to see this in college football this year, Zach. I, this is, I don't care if fans aren't allowed at the games if this happens, because this is going to be the most electric thing of all time. And uh, let me go ahead and ask you a question real quick, Zach. So, do you think that this is potentially the first season that Jim Harbaugh loses twice to Ohio State? Yes, <laughs> it might be. He'd be zero and seven, Brandon. Yeah, that's that's tough. That's in six years. That's real <laughs> that's, bad. That's <laughs> horrible, right? That's that, 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 <laughs> you might be changing your opinion, huh? Well, I mean, if he loses twice in the same season to Ohio State, yeah, I guess I'd have to. Um, that would be, and then, uh, God, God, God forbid they get rid of divisions and he has to play them three times. They have to play them in the oh, conference man. championship. He he's zero eight after six <laughs> after six seasons. I'm actually rooting for that now. That's that's really what I want to see. Either that, or I want to see Alabama lose three times to the same team. I don't care who it is. I hope it's Vanderbilt. That's who I hope it is. Actually, um, <laughs> that, that would be awesome. You know what? I, I can I just throw this in. I kind of hope Michigan keeps Harbaugh. I want to see if they let him get to zero and ten. Yeah, uh, yeah, that, <laughs> it could be fun. It could be a lot of fun. But yeah, to answer your question, I think that um, I think that it would be a lot of fun to see this happen. You know, what are the best games? Um, what are the best games that happen during a college, a college football season, Zach? I mean, what are the games that you want to see the most? They're interconference for the most part. I mean, you want to see the Alabamas and the Auburns, the LSUs and the Alabamas, the Texases and the Oklahomas. You want to see all these games happen. Uh, you want to see Michigan-Ohio State. You already mentioned that. Uh, but we want to see these big games. And most of those big you know, games are in conference. Uh I don't know. I think it would be incredible. I mean, I think it would be great for college football ratings, but at the same time, I think that it would be detrimental to teams that are barely keeping their head above water right now. 
You know, there's been talks about certain teams that are in Division One college football that might have to drop down to, you know, FCS or Division Two because of, of financial reasons. I mean, a lot of schools are losing a lot of money right now. Um, and if these schools, I mean, we're talking about the, the Chattanoogas, you know, the Chattanoogas, I guess they're already D2, so I guess not. I, I only brought them up because Alabama seems to play them every single year. Uh, but, I mean – Man, I'm trying to think of a team like South Alabama. Do you really think that? I mean, South Alabama just paid for a brand new stadium uh, to have their home games at. Do you really think that they're in a place financially where they can afford to not get these million dollar payouts from Mississippi State for getting, you know, sometimes for beating them, but for getting beat on national television? I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, they, they get can. paid so much money to do that. Yeah, they yeah, definitely so, can't afford that at all. I'm not trying to pull a Darren Ravel here, and I'm not trying to be the worst person alive um, by talking about you know the money aspect of college football. But I mean, it's something that we have to take into consideration. Uh, there's a lot of teams that are barely keeping their heads above water right now. You know, this, this whole you know the economy is kind of in shambles. You know, not to bring you guys back down to earth for a second. We're not going to talk about it for too much longer. But I I just don't see a way. It's as fun as it would be. I. I you know what? I take it back. That's fine. Go ahead. I'm going to be the fun guy real quick. Uh, let's go ahead and get rid of all those teams. They didn't deserve to be there anyway. Let's go with the just the power five, just playing homes and homes. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it would be a really, really interesting season. So I was talking about this earlier with some with some people, and I got a little bit of questions about how it would work. So, Brandon, we have a 12-team – we have a 12-game schedule usually, right? Right. There's 14 teams in the SEC, so why would okay. like I would much rather I don't know if you would see just a tournament of SEC teams. Yeah, everybody play cool. each other, and let's let's see how let's see how it turns out. I mean, I think that would be the best way. So everyone plays each other. We got 14 games, and then we play one game to determine the SEC champion. If there's no other football, why not do that? That yeah, that I mean, that SEC title game would be the most watched game in football in college football history. Yeah, it would be pretty sick. I mean, could you imagine just like Alabama, Alabama LSU part three for the SEC? Yeah, I, mean, title. I mean, we've already had part two. I guess part three would be kind of sick. I mean, and another thing is, what about games that are usually at neutral sites? So we could see a home and home game between Texas and Oklahoma, and Florida Georgia. That yeah. that to me would be really fun. I've been calling for the Florida Georgia game to be a home and home rivalry because it's really not a neutral site when it's in Jacksonville, when the game is in yeah. the state of another team, and it's really not that far from Gainesville. Is not you know it's it's not a neutral site. I'm sorry, Athens is in North Georgia, Florida is in Northern Alabama, and the game is in North or Northern Florida. My bad, and it's it's not a neutral site game and. Like you said, I think it would hurt some teams. I mean, what about the teams that get historically dominated in their rivalry games? I mean, can Jim Jimbo Fisher afford to lose to Alabama and LSU twice? No, no, no chance. Or, or if, or God forbid, if he loses to Auburn twice or someone like that. And what about new coaches? How pissed is Mike Leach going to be if he takes the job at Mississippi State and has to play Alabama, LSU, Auburn, and Georgia twice in a season? Yeah, uh, he's gonna be pretty upset. Lane Kiffin's the one that, that we really need to worry about being upset about that. I mean, I, I guess a positive would be you get two egg bowls. 
<laughs> you get you get twice the dog lifting their leg. Yeah, like, like that. You, you get you get Stark Vegas and Oxford in one season. Yeah. And you get the you get the lead up to the game. How amazing it's gonna to be to see two weeks of Lane Kiffin and Mike Lee's talking about each other. Oh, it's gonna be the it's gonna be the best thing I, it's gonna be the best thing I've ever heard. And it's this it, is gonna be interesting. I mean, so would this so I wanna know what or what's what situation would this happen under? And so if the Pac twelve goes completely under, the Pac twelve's gone and now all these other school, all these other conferences are left. Do they just say, okay, we're going to go our separate race this one season. We'll crown a conference champion and that'll be it. Or yeah. do you think the Big Ten, ACC, and SEC and Big 12 come together and like, hey, we need to get a champion. We can pull in the AAC and we can play the season out. I, I'm really right. interested because I think, I think teams are going to want to have a chance at a national championship, not just a conference championship. Yeah, I mean, it definitely. I mean, I see what you're saying, and I just don't see a way that a national championship would be possible under these circumstances. And that's something I thought about earlier today, and I failed to put it in my notes, so I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess that would be just kind of out of the question. You know, there there's certain teams that kind of have national championship expectations almost every season at this point. I mean, we're talking about Clemson, we're talking about Alabama. Um these are teams that hope to be in the uh, in the national championship year after year. So uh, yeah, I think taking that away would kind of take certain incentives away, right? Yeah, I completely agree with you there. So Zach, let me ask you this. It, so I like that suggestion, but I have another I have another suggestion for college football, um, especially for states that aren't allowing interstate travel. What if instead of just keeping games, you know, keeping the head to keeping the home and home uh, series within their own conferences. What if we did like an in-state division kind of thing? Like, like, so for instance, like Texas would have its own, uh, I guess like league within a league. So like, like Texas A&M would play Texas and, uh, and Baylor would play TCU. I, I'm trying to think about teams that are outside of the same conference. Houston would play Baylor or, or, uh, I mean, I'd like to be able to see games like that happen. I mean, be able to see things like Texas playing Texas A&M reigniting that rivalry during this time. I think, how do you feel about that idea? I, I actually like that idea. I think it'd be an interesting, uh, it'd be interesting to see how that worked. I mean, I think some in-state would suffer though. I mean, uh, are you looking forward to LSU playing the state of Louisiana? No, see that, that that I was gonna bring that up, and then uh, the, you know this is kind of like off the dome. I didn't take any notes on this, Zach. Uh, I'm just sitting here thinking, and this is what I do when I yeah. overthink. So, what if we just kind of grouped states together, right? <laughs> like maybe we had like a, a group of like two or three states, like like Alabama was. Kind of... <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm I'm describing conferences, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm an, I'm an innovator. I think you could do like interconference stuff. Like if you combine the Big 12 and the Big 10, because they have kind of similar areas, and you combine the ACC and SEC, you could get something like that. No, I mean, but what if we did like like this? I mean, I don't know. There's like certain places where it would be incredible. Like Texas, for instance, Florida would just be a bloodbath. Uh, the California would be pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, but California is going to be the reason we have to do this. 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's that's why I thought about it in the first place. Is like California because California State University schools have already shut down. Luckily, I don't think there's any Division One football teams that are CSU's. Um, uh, I don't think so. Not, maybe Fresno State. Fresno State might be a CSU actually, but I mean, uh, there's not a ton. No, there's not a ton, and I mean, Oregon's in the same boat though. I mean, but you have a lot of these SEC schools down south that are already saying that they're going to be open and we're playing football. So I yeah. think I, I really think this could be a possibility. I mean, if if the SEC is the only the SEC is moving forward with football, guys, I'm just going to go ahead and say the SEC and probably ACC are going to have football, and most likely the Big Twelve too. Yeah, like yeah. any states. I think the only conference really in question, or the only Power Five conference really in question at this point, is the Pac-12, right? Well, I, mean, I, 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 I think the Big Ten could be in some trouble because of some of those Northeast teams. I mean, but they don't. It's not like okay. I see what you're saying. And, and Ohio mean, is taking a very conservative approach to opening back up too. That's true. That's true. Okay. And so if, if Ohio State can't play, the Big Ten is screwed. Yeah, they're done for. That's that's yeah, not gonna happen. That, that, that's that's the main program. I mean, it, it's like you said. I believe it was last episode. If Alabama can't play, what's the SEC gonna really do? Right, right. That's no, true. Because I I think that I think each conference has a few programs. So I think the Pac-12 is going under right now because of Oregon and USC not being able to play. If Texas or Oklahoma can't play, the Big 12's done. If Michigan or Ohio State can't play, the big the Big Ten's done. And for the ACC, it's really just Clemson, I think, to be like, I don't want to be disrespectful, but if anyone, uh, okay, I'll, I'll say Florida State, Miami, and Clemson. How about that? If, if anyone other than that, ACC is moving on without them. And unless it's basketball, then UNC can jump in. and Duke can jump in. You're telling me the ACC can move on without Wake Forest? Facts. No, what, what without about, without what about Boston Duke? College, you think you think they're gone without? Yeah, Jamie, you think they're go, going on without Boston College, Zach? <laughs> and no Boston tough. College, it's tough. I mean, and for the SEC, I think there's a few teams that can pull it down for the SEC. If I mean, you, you look at oh man, uh, what, what is it? LSU, Alabama, Georgia. Auburn and Florida all have major, and even I don't know. Texas A&M is new; that they're they're the new kids on the block. Any of those schools could really bring it down, right? No, and and you're absolutely right. You know, those are, I guess, those are like the biggest points of interest. I mean, do you really see, do you really see the SEC stopping if Arkansas is like, you know, what I'm out this season? The SEC is looking for one excuse to put Arkansas on the chopping block in the first place. <laughs> they have they have baseball. Man, they're, they're doing Vandy, their way. Listen, Vandy dominates baseball. Kentucky dominates basketball. They're safe. Uh, A&M kind of contributes to football. I really don't contribute to anything else, oh, wow. I guess. That. Uh, I, don't that. I don't know if they do that in football. I mean, they, least, Fisher, I guess. they at least win the Texas Bowl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's – Ooh, what a great indicator of a fantastic football program. <laughs> the Texas Bowl. The <laughs> uh, Texas Bowl, yeah. Uh, in Texas, too. Like, I mean, like, they have to go play in their – if you go to a bowl game in your own state, that's – that's, that's LSU a bad would be, LSU would be dragged for playing in the walk-ons Independence Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> 
in yeah. Louisiana Tech, like Miami did yeah. this year. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, yeah, you can't do that. Do you know the riots that would happen in Baton Rouge if LSU would have went to the walk-on Independence Bowl in Shreveport and lost to Louisiana Tech? No, it would. Yeah, it, the state would have consumed itself. Even people who go to Louisiana Tech aren't Louisiana Tech; they're LSU fans. That's that's just a fact. So yeah, the state would have caught on fire and probably sunk underwater. <laughs> but guys, a home and home series would be entertaining. Let us know what you guys think. We're going to move on to our last segment before we keep you guys here literally all day. Um, and we're we're going to move on to our last segment of the day, and it's another recruiting update. One of your favorite segments. And we've covered a handful of schools, right? I mean, Ohio State, North Carolina, Bama, a few other teams. Uh, we bring you guys another update on the trail, but we're going to get to an unconventional place here. I don't think anyone listening knows anything about this class. And we're going to Minnesota. We're going to analyze what the Minnesota Golden Gophers are doing all, doing this recruiting cycle. This is following up one of the better classes in school history, which ranked 38th in the country. Now, let me just – I want to say this, Brandon. When we do these recruiting segments, we're speaking in terms of that school. So 38 for Minnesota is pretty damn good. We're not comparing Minnesota to Clemson or Bama or Georgia. But, but when's the last time you knew one recruit that went to Minnesota? So keep it in perspective, guys. I just wanted to say that before we continued here. But for right now, Minnesota's in the top 10 of the rankings this season. And they have some immediate contributors in this class with five top 400 recruits already committed. So, Brandon, what do you think about this class so far? And what do you think about PJ Flex work at this program and on the recruiting trail so far? Yeah, I mean, I, obviously, I think it's pretty impressive. Um, you know, and, and I don't want people to get the wrong idea. I don't want them to think that, you know, they're ranked in the top 10 right now. So that's where they're going to finish. That's not where they're going to finish by. It's not going to be close. I could see them being mid 30s again, honestly. Uh, which is really good for Minnesota. Very, very good for Minnesota, by the way. That we're not I'm not gonna sit here and trash them either, but they're not going to finish in the top ten. They're only ranked number seven right now because they have sixteen hard commits. Right? I mean, that's a huge number for this part for this time of the year, uh, for this part of the recruiting cycle. It's not going to I mean, you know, once they hit their cap of twenty five, which looks like they're probably going to hit it since they have this many already. Um They'll just keep falling as as other teams pass them. But, yeah, I mean, like Zach said, 38 is very good for Minnesota. I could see them realistically finishing higher than that. You know, and and, and let's not discredit – I mean, they well, how many four-stars they have? They have, like, five four-star recruits yeah, five, right now? Five or six. Yeah, so they have five four-stars, and they have 11 three-stars. Uh, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with 11 three-stars. Look, I mean, that's that's a great class. Especially when you look at their five, or their four stars, and see who they are. I mean, Avante Dickerson, uh, the cornerback out of Nebraska, um, he's number, a four star, he, number one player in the state of Nebraska, too. Yeah, number one player in his state. He's the ninth best cornerback uh, in the country, and I mean, this is that's unheard of, right? I mean, that's insane. That's to think about. I mean, they have him, who's number one in his state. They have. Uh, I wish I wish I could I could pronounce this kid's last name. Uh, Ethan Kalakamanis. He's a he's a, a dual threat quarterback uh, uh, commit out of uh, Illinois, out of Antioch, Illinois. He's the third best player in his state. He's a four star quarterback. 
Uh, they have Steven Ortiz out of Arizona, sixth best player in his state. I mean, they're all their four stars are in the top 10 in their respective states. You know, that's an, that's an insane, uh, metric for, uh, especially for, um, Minnesota. And, and, and I think they're doing a good thing recruiting in state. I mean, who would have thought that Minnesota had two, had two, three star guys. I mean, I only say that because they're two uh, recruits out of Minnesota at this point. They're both three stars, and they're fourth and sixth in the state, respectively. Uh, but Minnesota's not really known for pumping out talent. I just think Minnesota's done a great job of scoping um, around the country. I, I mean, they've reached down into SEC country. They've reached into into Big 12 country. I mean, they're recruiting Pac-12 country. I mean, they're they're recruiting past just Big 10 country and and further than they normally do. Yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, uh, you always got to – I mean, for me, I want to address P.J. Fleck first. I think P.J. Fleck is going to be recognized by casual fans as one of the most elite coaches in the country very soon. What he's built up in Minneapolis should be admired and praised, and he's not done. I mean, you talked about um, Dickerson as the top recruit in this class. He is uh, the number two all-time rated recruit for this school. Right. And the other, the guy who was above him is from back, I believe it was like early 2000, it's like 2009, early 2010 area. And he transferred. He didn't even play a down for Minnesota. And he ended up at at Indy. Yeah. He ended up uh, at last chance you. Yeah. Last chance you guys. But I want to just talk about, you know, Dicker, Dickerson first. I mean, this kid is projected to go to the NFL. I mean, he needs to put on a lot of weight, guys. He's only 160 something pounds, but he's got the height, got the speed. He's quick. He had a 4 1 shuttle, and they project him as a second round, like a second to third round pick. Uh, that's yeah. Outrageous for Minnesota, and this guy had offers from places like Georgia, Penn State, and all this, and he chose to go to Minnesota. It shows the pool that PJ Fleck has at this program. I mean, you see players like Antone Winfield Jr. that just left Minnesota, got went to the Buccaneers, and I think the thing that people forget is how good Fleck and this program has been at developing talent. Yeah, you might look at some four and five, four and three stars if you're an Alabama fan and be like, "Well, that doesn't mean anything." Or even if you're an Auburn fan or LSU fan, I mean, we look at some, we overlook a lot of these players. But you know, he talked about um, their quarterback commit. His pro comparison is Kirk Cousins. That's yeah, that's pretty good. That's, that's pretty good. I mean, he's been to multiple NFC championships. He beats the Saints every year. And that's a we didn't have to say that. (laughs) Sorry, man. As a sophomore, this kid's already six, four, almost 200 pounds. And yeah, at that height, he runs a four five. That's that's pretty. I don't know how his pro comparison is Kirk Cousins and he's that fast. I don't know how Kirk Cousins classifies as a dual threat quarterback, but we'll let it ride. We'll let it ride. But like Brandon said, they're getting players from to the two guys, and they were like, you know what? They're both going to be in Minnesota, and they're both they're both tall white guys. So yeah, let's that's Kirk Cousins. <laughs> that's fair enough. I mean, but like Brandon said, they're getting commits from all over the country. They have they let's see, they have top ten players from Nebraska, Illinois, Arizona, I believe Ohio as well. I mean, they also have the top. 
multiple top 10 players from Minnesota too. I mean, these guys have went all over the country. They even have a player from Georgia. I, I mean, from Newton, Georgia, which is right out of, you know, the Bulldogs backyard. So Minnesota's doing work on the recruiting trail. I'm a little bit higher on this class than Brandon. I actually could see it falling in around the, in the mid twenties. If you look there, the average ratings have gone up by two or three points from last year in the mid-30s. And I think this class could be a little bit more dynamic due to the COVID outbreak. And we, we, we're going to talk next episode about how that might affect the transfer portal and the decommits that are coming in this class. So you never know who they could pick up off that. I mean, Avante Dickerson and the rest of these top recruits are recruiting hard on the trail. I mean, if Minnesota can't get these kids to visit, the next best thing is to have recruits that are already committed, reach out to some of these other uncommitted recruits. And I think a lot of players are recognizing what PJ Fleck is building. And I really see some uh, some more high-caliber high players coming. They finished lower half of the Big Ten last year, but I can see this being around a fifth or sixth-ranked class in the Big Ten this year. And I think P.J. Fleck moving forward is only going to get better. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. Um, and I've been very high on P.J. Fleck, you know, since pretty much since uh, the middle of last season, pretty much when everybody was super high on him. I, I, I'm acting like I was ahead of that curve, and I just wasn't. Um, but, yeah, I mean, P.J. Fleck, he's a great head coach, um, and I think that he has, he does a fantastic job of developing his players. You know, like, I mean, who would have thought, you know, that Minnesota, obviously they had the 38th best recruiting class last year, but, I mean, they finished – I mean, they, they exceeded everybody's expectations this past season. And who's to say they won't do the same sort of thing this year? Um, P.J. Fleck is doing a lot right now in Minnesota, and – you know, it's – I don't want to say it's like a good thing because I'm not biased one way or another. So I don't want to say it's like a good thing to see what he's doing in Minnesota, but it's – he's definitely doing something incredible for Minnesota football. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, did anyone ever think Minnesota would be a top-10 team this year and no. beat Auburn and outplay Auburn the entire Outback Bowl and take that too? I mean, this I'm team was – this team was I'm one – wow. You know, it, it takes it takes it takes some kind of man to talk about his own team losing. That's true. Uh, yeah, they got smacked. It, it should have been a double digit game. Auburn got lucky; it was a single digit win for Minnesota, but they beat Auburn to death, and they were one close game in the snow away from going to the Big Ten championship. They lost to Wisconsin the last week of the season. If they win that game, they play Ohio State in Indy for the championship. Right, right. Absolutely. That, I don't think if you're a Minnesota booster or anything, you can let this guy go. I mean, he just he just signed a major extension, and I think it was one of the best re-signings in college football for a coach because I think this guy is on the same trajectory as um, James Franklin was coming out of Vanderbilt. I think he's building something special, and if once he steps away from Minnesota and gets into a program that's more established and is much easier to recruit at, I think – any program PJ Fleck is uh, the head of is going to be a major problem in college football across the national landscape. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But guys, we went over an hour today for you guys. So, but you know, we're going to end the episode now. If you missed our first episode of what we're calling the audible, which is our live streams on Wednesday, go check it out on our YouTube page, the blue bloods CFB podcast. We're not really sure of the schedule. We're 
looking at maybe every two weeks, we will let you guys know. We will announce when our next Audible episode is. Um, but go check it out. You can catch the podcast wherever you guys listen, man. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, anything. Even on YouTube, like I said before, uh, check out, subscribe, rate the podcast where you can. Tell your friends, family, tell everybody. It's it's The quarantine is winding down for some of you guys, so I expect you guys to be telling everybody to go listen to the podcast. Catch up on some college football content. Hopefully sports are coming soon. Who knows on that. But, guys, we appreciate you listening. But for right now, we out.